Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you tonight? Good. Good. I, although I've had this cold, and then tonight I was eating some soup, which had cayenne pepper in it, and I got a big shot of cayenne pepper. <laughs> And it was almost like I'd, I had some kind of allergic reaction because I couldn't breathe for like two minutes. Anyway, it's uh, jostled up my jostled up my system like in Bleak House. Shake me up, Judy. I don't know if you know that for, that reference, but if you've seen the uh, TV series Bleak House, you'll get that. You're off to one side a bit, it says. That you yeah. saying that to me? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would might be a Skype, like like artificial intelligence telling me that. Um. All right. Uh, so because yeah, it, I'm a little because bit, it cuts I'm a, out the, this is the, a little wild. I'm going to be coughing more than normal. Is what I'm trying to say in a yeah. long and roundabout way. So here we go. Here we go. See how this goes, Bruce. I got yeah. the cough button, which I hope I'll remember to use. Mm-hmm. Try. Now, one thing I've learned about Skype is that you can be off for a little bit, and it doesn't look like much on the full screen. But when they show the two of us together, that little bit turns into more. It's so, massive. Yeah. Anyway. Lit in half then by the uh, screen. Mm -hmm. All right, Bruce, another really exciting game. This one for never in doubt. It was was a crazy game. Six six five for the Oilers. What a crazy hockey game that was. That was one of the weirdest games um, that I've seen. Um, It was just the weirdest referee game, and we're going to obviously be talking about that. Uh, Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What? is your good thing go okay uh, yeah my good thing is uh, uh well I'm, go- I'm going to split it 97 and 29 uh i do believe that one of the two of them was in on all six oilers goals tonight uh with mcdavid uh uh netting a, a hat trick of goals on uh, uh assortment he really had the dangling stick going tonight he was uh he was doing this hummingbird wings kind of stick handling that he does where, you know, if you get the super slow motion, you can count whether he actually touches the puck a thousand times a second or usually he's just touching the ice around the puck, but it sure, it sure is be dazzling. And uh, he showed uh, those kind of moves on, uh, especially the 5-4 goal <clears throat> when he absolutely blazed. I'm not sure, was it number five or number six for Chicago, Connor Murphy or Jake McCabe? Either way, a very experienced NHL defenseman who made the mistake of rushing out at McDavid when he received the pass and McDavid immediately demonstrated what a huge mistake that is by just going around the guy and leaving him checking air and uh, going in and beating uh, Alex Stalock, former Oilers number four netminder, uh, uh, with a deft shot through the five hole from close range. And uh, McDavid had uh, three goals and a helper in this one to move into a tie, uh, 15 points for the league lead. And guess what? He's tied with Leon Dreisaitl, uh, among others, who got his own 15th point to win the game in the 60th minute uh, on, a, on a great pass across uh, a, 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 a nice uh, steal off a of captain, Sirius, who made a pretty serious turnover of the puck in the 60th minute of a tie game. And uh, 
uh, Yamamoto Kane worked it over to dry saddle and he pounded it home at 1922 the third and it was just uh uh Almost late enough, like I was thinking, well, it's not overtime. And the way this game's going, it's not over yet. But actually, the Oilers were great in the last uh, uh, 40 seconds and uh, actually did shut her down after that. Uh, but the two of them between them, uh, uh, the captain and the birthday boy, uh, they were the drivers of the offense. And the Oilers needed every bit of offense that they got in this game uh, with uh, uh, 36 shots and eight goals or sorry six goals and it was uh, not a it was not a gem of defensive play or disciplined hockey to say the least it was an old-fashioned barn burner i like uh i think it was mcdavid's first goal the least mm-hmm. spectacular of them i think it was or was it just the one where he just just charges down the wing and fires in that puck mm-hmm and he did that about three or four times last year, that same play. And for most players in the NHL, shooting from there is a B shot. It's yeah. a B grade uh, scoring chance shot. Most guys don't score. You know, they'll, they'll go in mm-hmm. maybe 10% of the time, maybe 15 tops. Like a really good shooter might get 15% of the time. I swear McDavid's like a 25% shooter on that exact same play because his speed is such coming down the wing. It just freak, freaks the goalie and adds, I think, to the velocity of the shot. Yes. And um, there's, there's, it's, it's a very difficult shot for goalies to stop. And uh, he hammered that one in. More so if he's coming down on an angle than if he's coming right up the middle of the ice because it's changing the shooting angle. Yes. As he's, as he's uh, coming <clears throat> down the wing. And he's coming down at, at the supersonic speed that the goalies aren't quite used to. So they're trying to shuffle over and keep up to him. And they either don't keep up with him and, and leave something on the short side, or they overcommit, or they're shuffling so fast that they, you know, they leave a little hole in there somewhere. And McDavid just fires a low, hard shot, and sometimes it finds a hole, as it did there. Uh, that was uh, that was a nice goal. And then the... His second goal on a four-on-three power play by the Oilers. This was the one goal that both uh, McDavid and Drysaddle were involved in. It was Dry's pass that found McDavid for the quick <clears throat> shot that beamed uh, Stalock. It was actually going over the crossbar and hit Stalock in the head, popped straight up in the air and came down between Stalock and the goal line and dribbled over the line. That was a element of good fortune in that one. Do, so, they, do you watch, Bruce, do you watch Cobra Kai? I don't. On the, it's on Netflix. It's the Karate Kid reboot. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Anyway, like they're always they're they're one of the typical uh, tropes of that show is like the the karate punch, which is like this this just really quick short where you concentrate all your all your human energy in this one short quick punch, mm-hmm. and it's devastating. That's what that shot was like. That that second goal for McDavid, just this quick stab at the puck. And he just propelled it quite hard and fast right at the net and uh, conked the goalie on the head. <laughs> I didn't know it hit him on the head. But I thought it I thought it hit his glove, I guess, or his shoulder. And then it then it went in the net. That was a that was a beauty. And Bruce, speaking of beauties, Leon Dreisaitl's pass uh, on Edmonton's fourth goal. Fourth goal, his backhand pass to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. What a pass! What a pass. Right through the crease, backhand. 
I mean, the goalie should have cut it out, probably, it looked like, but it was so fast. It went under Stalock's stick. It went between yeah. Stalock's stick and Stalock himself. Yeah. And Leon, he just looked everybody off. He had the puck for a good five seconds in the corner, and he had them thinking he was going back to the point with it or cross ice. Uh, and then he just sort of gradually worked his way in to the uh, – uh, a little close to the neck net, and all of a sudden that magic backhand sifted a hard pass right through Staylock below the defense, past Staylock, and right on to the stick of RNH, who pounded home his fifth goal of the season. And he didn't have five goals uh, by New Year's last year, so that's some good news from Edmonton too. And he certainly wrapped that one home with authority. Uh, yeah, there was. I sure uh, loved. I sure loved Evan Bouchard's play. In the game, like his confidence with the puck mm-hmm. is getting to be extreme. He's so calm now with the puck. Like there's a couple times he just did like little stick handling maneuvers uh, in pressure situations where he completely controlled the puck and deked out the Chicago Blackhawks. I saw it at least three times in the game, including on that play where he mm-hmm. set up McDavid in the slot on the McDavid's third goal. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of things of beauty tonight from, from the Oilers uh, attacking end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that play Bouchard made at the blue line, I thought he'd gotten himself into trouble on the 5-4. Yeah. Uh, this was during an Oilers power play that had not been going, doing much right, and it looked like that Bouchard was going to lose possession out of the zone, and then he made a terrific play to uh, to control the puck and then find it find uh, McDavid in the open, which is always a, a high percentage pass. It earned him a primary assist on the play. Evan Bouchard, man, he is coming on, Bruce. He's looking like, uh, you know, Sergei Zubov. All right. Uh, he reminds me of Larry Murphy. You know, yeah, that's, that's he's the guy. a lot like Murphy. Slower, brilliant mm-hmm. with the puck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little weak on defense now and then. A little soft now and then, maybe on defense. But, man, can he play the puck? And Larry Murphy is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, if I'm he not mistaken. He is. He is, yeah. yeah that's, that's a real compliment comparing him to Larry Murphy. <laughs> Yeah, the guy that Toronto crazy. sold to Detroit for a dollar. Is Zubov in the is Zubov in the Hall of Fame? I don't know if he is. Oh, actually. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's such a great player. Yes, he was an absolutely wonderful player. All all Oilers fans got their fill and then some of Sergei Zubov in all those playoff series. And yet, you know what? I don't know a single Oilers fan who who, who legitimately hates Sergei Zubov. No, we hate and, every And other. many of us have seething residual hatreds of many, many Dallas Stars players. Terry and Hatcher at the top of the list. Oh, yeah, he's at the top of the list. Yeah. Richard Matvejuk and mm-hmm. Sidor, Daryl Sidor even. Although Sidor was less nasty, but he still had his moments. In. All the grumpy old man, Belfour, yeah. you know, they had uh, they had their share of guys, but Zubov was a player. I personally just flat out admired him throughout his entire oh, career with Rangers, uh, briefly with, I think, Washington, and then when Dallas got him, I admired him from a lot less of a distance than I would have preferred to admire him, which would have been in the other conference. Clear the cap space now, brother, because Evan Bouchard is going to get paid. Yeah. All right. Uh, my good thing, Bruce, is mm. poetic justice. <laughs> there was poetic justice before our eyes in this game tonight. And and it came in the last uh, minute of the game when uh, Kyler Yamamoto stole the puck, put it over to Evander Kane, 
and Kane put it over to dry settle for the goal. And it was it, the, the poetic justice was Kane being involved in the winning goal because he was just royally screwed out of that goal by the referees. And I don't know the justification for that call. It'd be interesting to hear if mm-hmm. there is an official explanation for it. Mm-hmm. But that was madness. He was, what are you going to say? I guess, I guess the, the thing you could say was he, he tried to look, he took incidental contact from the defenseman and on purpose fell backwards into the goalie. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we saw a motivated play on his part to wipe out the goalie. That would be the only explanation I could think of. Because otherwise, I mean, the, the defenseman, I think it was Seth, was it Seth? Yeah, Seth Jones, did push him right into the goalie. Mm-hmm. And not only that, after that happened, Kane got up as med- quickly as he could and got off the goalie. It's not like he lied there mm-hmm. in Ryan Kessler-like fashion on top of the goalie for, for 5, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got up as quickly as he could, and he got out of the crease. He didn't grab he his pad either, David. He, got up, he, got he didn't up grab his pad, did he? he? Didn't grab his pad. <laughs> didn't hold his pad. Okay, down now the you ice. got me going. Comparing that goal to the Ryan Kessler play. Oh. Well, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, this was yeah. a crazy call. So anyway, I'd like to hear that. But there was poetic justice, Bruce, in mm-hmm. that um, Kane got got the, was huge on that winning goal. And you know what we saw tonight um, was a prime example of why you love to have a player like Evander Kane on your team and you hate to have him on the other team. Uh, the, the fans in Chicago were so riled up by Kane, by his antics on the ice and what he was doing and his, mm-hmm. you know, it's a violent play, frankly, violent play. And uh, he got the refs riled up too because that was an absolutely ridiculous penalty. Like the orders are already down a man on an iffy call. And the refs give him, like, you know, Kane was no doubt saying nasty things on the bench, but you just suck it up, ref. Yeah, I mean, you, you've made an iffy call. You've got to know it's an iffy call. Made several iffy calls in one. Yeah. So just, I mean, to give them a five on three out of that, that's just, that's how often do you see the refs give a penalty to someone on the bench for, for mouth it off? It's very rare. It's no anyway, they can do it, but it's very rare, Bruce. That hardly ever happens. And they do it then. I didn't like that. Anyway, poetic justice. Yeah, well, he kind of whiffed the puck just before that. And I was uh, muttering to my TV going, come on, Kane, you got to make a play at some point. And then uh, (laughs) Taves coughed it up and and Yamamoto got it right back to, and Yamamoto was much better tonight, by the way. He was. I will say. Uh, And he got it right back to Kane. And the second chance he did make a very nice pass. And, and uh, Leon pounded it home. So poetic justice in the in the. Normally you wouldn't care, you know, 60th minute, 63rd minute, 65th minute doesn't matter. You got your two points. Yamamoto but, uh, got the uh, Yamamoto got the low game grade bounce, Bruce. You know, they see those cult of hockey grades. They see that yeah. three by their name, and they I'm just think, no them. way, I'm not letting down those cult of hockey game graders again. I'm coming out. I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna come after it and. Uh, have myself a seven out of ten game. I'm going to pr- prove that so and so wrong. Yeah, and I mean we know that he's uh, you know I mean that's his game is being getting involved and getting aggressive. And tonight he had a uh, a game high three takeaways, and that's a big part of Yamamoto's game is getting in there with the stick. And Good for him. Plays. Like, and he made a big one on that winning goal. So credit to I, him. 
Yeah. I, you know, I think coming back from injury, like, I just really do think it's a huge, like, we, we hear, we've heard this many times, right? People talk about the psychology of coming back, like, you're, you, you're somewhat better or you are better, but it's just, the, like, just that hesitancy of throwing yourself into the play, you know, throwing yourself like a seed into the furrow. Like, it's it's hard to to just go for it when you're when you're in the back of your mind, you're worried about getting hurt again. And, um, I, you know, maybe he was hearing from it, not from mm-hmm. us, but from his teammates and coaches a little bit, like time to pick it up kid. And he certainly did that. He, he played, that was a that very good game. Mm-hmm. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Amundo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I want to say, right? <laughs> so I, I, I vowed to myself again this year that I wouldn't get on the cases of the refs except when absolutely necessary, which we've got to game eight and it's it's almost become absolutely necessary. Uh, but I'm actually going to hold off until the numbers. And for my bad thing, uh, I'm going to have to say the net mining of Jack Campbell left me pretty cold tonight, David. Uh, I didn't think he had a good game. Uh, in the first period, the Oilers allowed two grade A shots and they both went in. Uh, and... Uh, uh, in the uh, second period, uh, right off the hop, uh, uh, Campbell. Uh, oh, I got the wrong one. Yeah, it was a bad rebound on the second goal to boot. They just punted out, uh, and uh, yeah. Chicago sniper uh, Reese Johnson was able to pull it in and go around uh, Campbell and tap home an easy one. Then he started the second period by lobbing a backhand shot about five feet over the glass into the netting and putting the order shorthanded. Uh, right after they tied it up 2-2, like eight seconds later, Campbell takes a penalty for a really bad handle of the puck, and then Chicago scores on that power play. Now, he's not necessarily at fault on the goal, but at that point, you're wanting your goalie to make a save. Uh, Chicago by then had three grade eight shots and three goals. And then on the uh, the fourth goal, he was beaten from outside. Great shot on the five-on-three, but from distance. And then the fifth goal, I, I really didn't like the rebound. It hit him in the chest protector. You know, it was a hard shot from top of the circle, but the rebound went directly into the slot. Where, uh, who was it this time? Oh, yeah, Patrick Kane, that guy. Went right to him, and he pounded it home. And... I thought um, Campbell's rebound control in this game was very poor. Uh, yeah. Some pucks out in the first period. I mean, it didn't didn't result in goals or even dangerous shots, but the puck would come in and it would it would hit him and it would respond like it had hit a trampoline and it would go out faster than it came in back into the slot. And he just needs to be better. I mean, that was a that was a pretty tough night's work, and uh, he made his teammates' job tough. You know, that that was a game that uh, you know a strong goaltending performance there and it's a probably a pretty straightforward win but I, I can't say as the Oilers really got it and I can't say that uh, 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 he's uh, really filling me with assurance you know point point one year into his five-year contract that this is the guy that that is uh, going to be number one goalie material in Stanley Cup playoff contender I mean Obviously, it's a tiny sample size, and we don't want to overreact, but uh, he needs to be better. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that is. He this was the saves after after those first three goals. He made some good stops. It wasn't like it was every single one went in, but 
Yeah, this was um, my only concern about that contract was the term. Because, and also the fact that if Stuart Skinner plays well, you're going to have to pay him, right? And, um, yeah, then what? This is, this is life in the NHL. Like, you know, the, they got to win now, Bruce. They, they needed yeah. a starting goalie. He mm-hmm. was the best one available that was going to come here. That was the amount. So mm-hmm. you, you, you got to win. So that's why they did it. And, and hopefully he'll, I mean, he's, he's had five good pro seasons in a row. Like, he really has. A look at his record on hockey DB. His save percentages have all been really good the last five years, or at least okay-ish, like at least league average. Mo- I think, mm-hmm. you know, all five of those years above league average is what I'll say. In whatever league he was in, I think one was an AHL year. So he's he's been okay to good. And, you know, it's not like he's getting Habby Bullen money, or uh, not Habby Bullen. No, What's he's the guy just getting Koskinen money. But Bobrovsky money was what I was going to say. Habby Bullen right. too long ago. Right, uh, and he didn't get paid that much. But Brodsky gets paid so much, and he's. Mm-hmm. Um, is he better yeah. than Jack Campbell? Is Sergei Brodsky a better goalie right now than Jack Campbell? I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's so anyway, it's a risk they took. It's voodoo. We'll see how and it's it goes. a risk, but I mean, who do you start on Saturday night? Oh, Skinner. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Eight Go games into Skinner. the season, and it's already. You know, uh, so anyway, I'm not giving up on the guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying tonight's game, just critiquing tonight's game. uh, I didn't think he was that solid. And uh, puck handling, rebound control, and just, you know, making the first save on a couple of instances. Well, on four of the five goals, Bruce, he was arguably, you know, one of the culprits. So Mm -hmm. that's not good. That's not good at all. And it, and it's not the first time this season, right? Every game he's led in kind of an iffy goal that he's played in, I think, pretty much. Maybe one game he didn't. So there's that. Um, oh, my bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a relative nitpick because uh, it's just on the one goal. But it was on the first goal. And um, Hyman takes the puck in, goes around the net, throws it out front. Um, there's another forward. I think it's McDavid down low. And Darnell Nurse, as he should be, because he was the next man, jumps into the plane of the slot. He was mm-hmm. wide open in the slot. All mm-hmm. Hyman had to do was hit him with a pass, and that right. might have been a goal. So there was every right and every responsibility, frankly, for Darnell Nurse to be there in the slot trying to score. But then someone else has a has a responsibility. You see your defenseman mm-hmm. uh, go in there, and you're the high forward. What do you do? You cover for him. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who otherwise has been playing, you know, some pretty strong hockey here, he didn't cover for Darnell Nurse. And as a result, the play breaks out the side, uh, Nurse's side of the ice. Um, CeCe barely has time to recover. He doesn't have time to recover because it's Andreas Athanasio breaking out with the puck, who's one of the fastest players in the NHL, and goes in and scores. So if, if Nugent just covered, just kept his yeah. head, covered, there's no problem then, you know, that he, well, maybe he doesn't stop a fantasy either. Like, but I think they, that play doesn't develop. If yeah, uh, he just didn't read it because he was high enough in the zone, maybe, but he was on completely the wrong wing. Like he yeah. wasn't covering for nurse. He was in front of the other defenseman, Cece, and neither one of them was able to cut off Athanasiu. I didn't like Hyman's play particularly there either. That was a prayer pass. 
And, you know, he just sort of whipped it out between everybody. And, you know, when you bring your teammates in, I mean, Dreisaitl got crapped on for, for a pass a few games ago where he made a drop pass that missed Yamamoto that went the other way for a breakaway. Well, this was deeper in the zone, but the result is the same. The, the puck was whipped out um, and not particularly close to either McDavid or Nurse, and all of a sudden they're all trapped. I'm I'm generally okay, Bruce, with passes from behind the net into the slot, right mm-hmm. through the slot. That's what that was. I think that's a – sometimes you don't – you. All you can do is strain to make that pass. You can't, you're not, like, you, there's, you know there's a player in the area and you're just hoping that he's there. But it's a, it's usually a safe enough play and um, a high percentage enough play for, for good things happening. Like, the ratio of good to bad that happens in that situation is usually there's a lot more good. I mean, Fogel made a pass like that the other day. Day and Nurse skated onto it and scored. I don't know if Fogel saw it. What's the difference? Yeah, I don't think, but I, I just, he threw it out there, I think, blindly, honestly. I don't think Fogel saw it, saw, but he, he did. That one connected. So, and, and the other thing about that particular pass was it, like, it didn't, there was a moment where they, Chicago regrouped for a second, too, right? Like, there was a, this regrouping moment where the pass went and they got, they gobbled up the puck and it wasn't instantaneously a breakaway. It took them a second to organize and then make the pass. So, I, I guess I'm saying, I don't, I think Hyman made the right play. He didn't exit, like, he didn't, Hit the guy with he the didn't pass. execute. Yeah, I mean the idea wasn't wrong, but uh, yeah, he just kind of even a blind pass. I, I'm saying I'm okay with that from behind the net slot. Like that, I think that happens a lot in the NHL, and I think usually good things happen. So anyway, slight maybe we disagree on that. I don't know. Sounds like we do. Um, your number. My number is eight. Eight, eight power plays that Chicago got in the second period alone. David, I've never seen the like. I don't think I've ever seen it. Eight power plays for one team in one period. Oilers got, uh, let's see, now Campbell, delay of game, puck over glass, legit call. They had no choice, obviously. Neiman line and interference, I thought that was kind of iffy. Kane got cross-checked. He got up and he cross-checked the guy back, and then he gave him an extra little shot. The two cross-checking penalties on Kane, nothing to the other guy. Four minutes power play. Uh, Barry got two for cross-checking. I, I honestly don't even remember it. Holloway got two for hooking. I think that was probably a legit call. Uh, Nurse got two for cross-checking where he buried the guy in the slot, but uh, uh, minutes later it was okay for Seth Jones to bury Evander Kane into the crease, and they didn't even think about calling that a penalty. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, your favorite one, uh, well, the team got a delay of, uh, delay of game penalty for contesting the rotten call. Uh, and uh, then Kane got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty also for contesting the rotten call. And by the, now you're up to eight penalties in a single period. Apparently there was four minutes and 57 seconds of five-on-five play out of a 20-minute period. They were calling someone in Chicago, too, and they called a few in the third period to kind of even it up a little bit. But I honestly thought this was a game where the, the refs just took the pace out of the game. And, and they're, they're, they were so inconsistent. Like this play where, where I mean, the, the, the big play that had everybody's tongue wagging. Uh, Jones pitchforks Kane down into the crease. Kane falls on Staylock. He scrambles up, Jones scrambles up, Staylock scrambles up, but without his pick, stick. Puck comes back to the blue line. 
There's a shot. Staylock stops it. Kane grabs the rebound, steps around, and taps it in. He celebrates. The referee points directly at the net. And then two minutes later, the refs had the temerity to say, the call on the ice is no goal. And what do they think? We're blind? Come on. The call on the ice is no goal. He called it a goal. And then they said the call. Now, So now it's the Oilers that have the challenge, not Chicago that has the challenge. And when Chicago wins the challenge, now it's a penalty to the Oilers. And not only do they get screwed out of a goal, they actually get a penalty out of it. And then another penalty, because as you say, the referees don't have the, you know, put your earmuffs on. After you screwed a team that bad, you're going to expect to get a little bit of invective from the bench. You know, so it's piling on at that point. And anyway, I hope, uh, yeah. I don't know what Kane said to him, but it was probably it was probably pretty good. But anyway, it was and probably undisciplined on the part of Kane. But at that point, it did seem like piling on. And I have to say my blood pressure rose by a good 50 over 30 during that entire sequence. Instead of being 4-3 Edmonton, it's 4-3 Chicago, a two-goal swing. And uh, it just, just was so... But this, this was a game. I mean, Chicago went two for ten in the power play in the game, and the Oilers went three for seven. And there were some really bizarre numbers besides the eight. I mean, here's one. Ryan Nugent Hopkins played 18 minutes and 17 seconds tonight, of which six minutes and 26 seconds were at even strength. He played 18 minutes and six of them were at even strength. Nine on the power play, three on the penalty kill. Both Dreisaitl and McDavid played more on the power play than they did at even strength. Uh, there was guys, you know, just racking up. Cody Cece played 753 on the penalty kill tonight. Uh, you know, there's just bizarre numbers. And then if you look at the game as a whole, <coughs> 33 minutes of five-on-five five play or e- even strength play. And there was all kinds of other situations. Five-on-four, four-on-three, five-on-three. Four on four, six on five. Oh yeah, a little tiny bit of five on five. Like these uh, these zebras, and I will name them because they were awful enough to deserve being named. Uh, Chris Rooney and John McIsaac. They had a terrible game. Uh, I was I I had my cough button on so you didn't hear this. That was in your top five all time diatribes, Bruce, against the referees. Well, was it? Somebody somebody asked me if it was the worst I ever saw, and I said no, probably. I think it was our friend Murdoch Davis, and I said no, probably not even in the bottom ten. You know, I've been around a long time. Well, um, and, and that was certainly meant as a jive as NHL officiating in general over the decades, but uh, it was not good. It was not good. Though. I didn't know about that. Um, that they had signal goal. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know they had signal goal on the ice and then say the call on the ice is not a goal. I guess there are two yeah. refs. The yeah, ref- maybe the guy a mile well, away decided he saw some something in the crease that the guy standing right next to the crease didn't see, but that doesn't exactly uh, hold water either. Yeah, a tough night for like the third line guys that don't play. Like Fogel only got um, what did he get? Uh, Fogel eight fifty three of ice time. Pugliardi nine. Um, Holloway, 807 and two penalties. Well, Ryan McLeod's looking good, too. So confident. Both he and Bouchard are getting so confident with the puck. Mm -hmm. Just really encouraging to see that level of skill from those two players coming forward because, man, this is already a highly skilled team. And if young players like that, and Holloway had a a moment or two where he showed his skill, like one moment he really showed his speed, got a good shot. Yes. Um, that's, That's very, very encouraging. 
Bruce, my number is also, your number was eight. My number is also eight. Okay. It is the number of goals that Connor McDavid has this year, and he leads the league in goal scoring so far. Eight goals in eight games. So, not bad. He's on an 82-goal pace. And, you know, usually when you say something like that early in the season, it's, like, ridiculous and silly and fun, and everybody knows it. Connor McDavid could score 82 goals, Bruce. He could score 82 goals. Now, I think he's going to end up with, like, 55. But if Connor McDavid put his mind to it, and that was his priority for a season, is to, through the regular season, you know, do, you know, he's obviously going to play defense hard, as he, you know, and all the other stuff, be a good teammate, pass the puck. But if he makes up his mind to score goals, he could score a goal a game. And he's well, he's on, on pace. He's on pace for twenty hat tricks. <laughs> no, that's funny. But okay, um, Gretzky. Gretzky only ever got to ten. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, here are the scoring leaders: McDavid, fifteen; Pasternak, fifteen; Drysaddle, fifteen; Nachushkin, uh, and others, twelve. So already they're beginning to separate after after just eight games of action. And uh, the big boys just keep piling in the, the goals and points. And uh, nights like tonight, they needed all of them, but they got enough because the big boys are, are as, as uh, prolifically productive as they are. All righty. Well, let's leave it there, Bruce. We're going to be talking again on Saturday, I guess, eh? Calgary Flames. Calgary's had last night off and tonight off and tomorrow night off resting up for the Oilers. So uh, there'll be a, a big rest advantage for Calgary, but I would suggest there'll be a bit of a motivational edge for the Oilers after uh, Calgary won in Edmonton a couple of weeks ago. So it'll be uh, uh, another intense game on what has already been a, uh, uh, well, let's say, exciting road trip. The two games could hardly have been different from each other but uh, more different from each other, but they uh, they both kept our attention right to the end. And uh, uh, I expect Saturdays will be, uh, we'll do likewise. Five wins and three losses for the Oilers. Not bad. Not bad. better. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.